God is good, isn't he? He's so good. He's so kind to us. He's so merciful. And I believe that the Lord wants to speak to us today and encourage us and grow us. Don't you believe that? God's got a plan and a purpose for us. And I love that his plan and purpose is not hinged or contingent right upon our circumstances. Who's been reading Jeremiah with us through? through? You know, as I'm reading it, I know the story, as most of you do if you've read it before, but I've been surprised just again. You know, like when you read a scripture, you read the word, and then suddenly you read something again, and it just comes to life in a new way. And I'm looking at Jeremiah's faithfulness. Actually, that's really what struck me of the reading of it this year. And his faithfulness in a really hard time. Really, what was going on was that the word of the Lord was hard to find. There was really only few prophets, and nobody knew who to believe. And you can kind of see Zedekiah wants to believe him. He really does. He, he, he secretly brings him in. He really wants to listen. But the council and the people, they end up winning in that argument inside him, right? And so Jeremiah's put in stockades, and then he's kind of released, and then he's put into a deeper place, and then kind of released, and then goes into the pit, right? And he's sinking down into the mire and has no food. And, and I see his faithfulness. And yet, what really what hit me in the last week as I was reading it, because it kind of culminated, you know, he's been delivering the word and delivering the word, and nobody liked him, but he wasn't being affected by it yet. And then in this week's reading, you know, it hit him. He was saying the word, saying the word, and it was basically, you can believe me or not, that's your choice. But now it came against him personally, and he had to feel the brunt of the hatred towards the truth. And the interesting thing is, is that God doesn't deliver him. That's really this week. He does ultimately. God's protection and God's deliverance, though, is not always what we think and what we assume it should be like and look like and in the timing. Now, ultimately, the Lord had supernaturally given uh, Jeremiah the inspiration to buy some land and, uh, and that was a physical land, but the, the implication, this is not what I plan on preaching on, by the way, but I'm just listening to the Holy Spirit here. And, but the supernatural implication was that, right, that the Lord said that I'm going to restore this land, that you by buying this is that I'm going to give something back. It's going to be restored. People are going to live here again. I have to deal with you, but I'm also giving you a promise. And so he does that. And yet the Lord doesn't stop him from being flogged. He doesn't stop him from being put into prison and being deprived. And yet Jeremiah never once says that God's not faithful to him. He does cry out for the Lord to deliver him like we all would and to see what's going on, but does not deny the Lord, does not walk away from the Lord, and yet was able to still trust him and in, in a way where when Zedekiah called him and said, do you have a word from the Lord? 
he might, you know, human nature might be, I'm going to give a good word here to the human flesh because that'll get me out of my position. And he says, yes, I do have a word from the Lord. And he gives the same truth again that he's been giving all along, which puts him right back. They were furious with him and put him right back into his prison. One of the things I really had the Lord been putting on my heart, and I've brought it from time to time throughout these last couple of years, is that we have a perception and a perspective of God that isn't always right. Our perception and perspective of God and what God's doing in the heavens and what we're doing on the earth isn't always what we think or what it seems like or what it should look like. And we think that God's faithfulness is that when you need to pay a bill, that you're going to walk out to your mailbox and find the check there. And then when it's not there that day, or you've been praying for a healing and you don't receive it instantly, right? Or you've been praying for a loved one to be saved and they just seem to get darker, we try to reason, and other Christians try to reason, and they come up with all these answers and excuses, and, you know, well, maybe it's this, maybe you're in sin, maybe someone else is in sin, and, and et cetera. And maybe we just don't understand the grand picture. Maybe God is faithful. This is what I keep hearing. I keep hearing the words of that old hymn in my spirit this morning, Great is Thy Faithfulness. The craziest thing is God didn't change even though Jeremiah's situation did. That to me is so, it is hard for our human mind to get, God, how is this possibly you being faithful to me? And then I think all of us would have the nerve to tell God, Jeremiah didn't, but I think maybe just me, I think I might think God I didn't even want to be this prophet. You made me do it. I'm trying to be faithful to you. And now I'm in the pit, not them. And they're the ones that don't want to listen to you. And I do. God is so faithful. And I believe that what God's doing right now, and that is going to tie, I'm going to get into the sermon from that. God is so faithful, and he's faithful to this nation what I want to say right now is, is something we don't want to hear, and it's hard for our minds to get, but I want you to keep saying this year, God is faithful, God is faithful, God is faithful. But that does not mean that this year is going to suddenly dissipate. I said this a week or two ago. Someone at the bank, the teller, just said it to me again, and I laughed inside. She said, Wow, you know, another month. It's almost November. But thank God, you know, 2021 is only two months away. As if suddenly when we turn the page to 2021, all our problems are going to disappear. It's just a 2020 thing, guys. But it is a perception that is out there. The same misconception could be what's going to be on November 4th when you wake up. It doesn't really matter who gets elected. There is a spirit 
in the whole world for that matter. And there's a spirit of chaos. Do you know I saw in the news, maybe you saw this too, that Nigeria is having an issue with the people against police brutality. <laughs> it has nothing to do with white and black, does it? It's just a spirit. Now, does that mean that there's not issues? Of course there is. I don't even want to touch the topic itself. But the point is that it's not a color thing that's going on in the world. It is a problem with rebellion and stubbornness and wickedness. And of course there's corruption. There has been corruption since the Garden of Eden. Let's not be surprised by that. But overall, yes, there are bad cops. It's not about cops today, and I'm not making this a political sermon, but this is where we're living right now, right? I'm sure there are bad cops in Nigeria as well. But the majority of the police there are there to help us, and 90%, and I think that they would be offended if I said it that low, but let's just say it's 90% are good, it's a very small portion, yet that doesn't mean it's irrelevant, that's not something to be talked about and something to be dealt with, but obviously there's something going on in our world. It's not a black and white thing, because it's happening in, in China as well with Hong Kong, right? Hong Kong's rebelling against China. Because there's a spirit right now of disruption and of rebellion. And just... I, people don't even know what they want to rebel, why they're rebelling. They just want to rebel, just want to be part of a revolution. I truly believe that the Lord is faithful, and you need to say that, and say that over and over and over again this year and into this coming year. When I say year, I mean the next 12 months minimum. I'm talking it's not going to just end 20 one, but 21, we're just going to keep saying it. But God has a plan and God has a purpose, doesn't he? I don't know where we're at in the book of Revelation or we've, if we've turned the page in the book of Revelation. I think it's certainly possible that we're in that book. Some people say, well, this and this has to happen. I don't know if we've got that all figured out. I think some things will be clear, but some things aren't. That's the whole Bible. Some things were crystal clear. They thought they had Jesus figured out, and no one did. Even his own disciples thought he died. Come on. Even his own disciples who were with him, and he even told them, we have the proof. We literally have the scriptures that say, I have to go die. More than once he tells them, and they still thought he's, he's gone. That's it. So let's not think we have it all figured out. So I don't know where we're at in that book of Revelation. But I do know this, that throughout history, there have been seasons of uprisings and seasons of rebellion and seasons of war and seasons of plagues. That's our history. Let's not, um, I, how do I say this? Let's not be so doom and gloom, but I don't, wanna, I don't like using that phrase because that means that the book of Revelation is doom and gloom, and I hate that because I don't believe that the book of Revelation is doom and gloom. I believe it's God's word. It's the prophecy being fulfilled and, and coming to pass. It means that maybe our comfortable life and our white picket fences get burned down, but it's not doom and gloom because we have eternity to look forward to. Our, our inheritance is in heaven. So we should never think that that's doom and gloom. 
But at the same time, I don't want us to be, uh, I think the term is fatalistic. And that basically means that, well, it doesn't really matter. It's just going to get worse and worse and worse. So why care? Why, you know, just exist, just get through. And we can do that as Christians. The world's just going to do that in a different way. But we can do that as Christians, too. And we kind of like still love him. We attend church. We have our potlucks, of, you know, in a special way. You know, we figure it out. And we just are kind of existing. And I don't believe that's what the Lord wants either. Because even when we read through history and we read through our word, it wasn't the end. There was a job for God's people to do in every single one of those situations. And that's really what I believe from the heart of the Lord that he's saying to his church. It's not so much try to figure out where you are on the timeline as much as just stay faithful and keep going and keep trusting me and stay steadfast. The same words I've been saying that he's been saying to us this whole season. Amen. Is that making sense to anyone? Now, does that mean that you can't spend some of your free time? You know, I love when people are pulling apart the word and pulling apart Daniel and the book of Revelation and the prophecies and things, you know, that Jesus said in the Gospels and putting the pieces together and looking at Israel and looking at the timeline. That's fine. You can do that, but we should not be so obsessed with that because Jesus says, you know, to his disciples, you don't worry about those things. You just worry about preaching the gospel and building the kingdom of God. We have an understanding of it, but we don't have to worry about it. We're like, well, I can't do this because, you know, technically, you know, we're right about to turn the page in this particular plague or this particular thing. So, uh, you know, I'm going to, like, dictate and schedule my life around the book of Revelation. I don't believe that that's why he gave it to us. I believe that we are supposed to, and I mentioned this some weeks ago, and the Lord's saying it again today, occupy till he comes. That does not mean to just understand him and all of his glory and all of his magnificence, which is amazing, and just, you know, constantly just have revelation unfolding. I mean, literally revelation about the book of Revelation, and it just becomes knowledge. It just becomes stuff. You have a bigger stockpile in your basement, but you haven't done anything with the kingdom of God. And I believe that's where we're at with the Lord. That's where we're at in this season. But I want to encourage us because there was a time that in our word, we're talking 3,000-ish years ago. I don't have the exact math, but I know it's somewhere around 3,000 years ago. There was an issue on the earth. And the Bible says in the book of James, chapter 5, verse 16... It says that the earnest prayer of a righteous person, right, or the fervent, there's different translations, but basically means a prayer that uses every ounce of your energy, every ounce of your being. It's that fervent prayer, that righteous person that's praying before the Lord. This person has a place with God, and we know that no one is righteous. God has made us righteous, but Jesus has already fully told us who this person is. This is the person washed in his blood. This is the person seated with him. This is the person who does not want this world, but wants him and him alone. And John 
and James start to say that what happens is, he talks about it in James 4, is that your will begins to change, your prayers begin to change, you get the will of God, you start praying the will of God, and then you actually see prayers coming to pass, because it's not your prayers anymore, it's the Lord's prayers through you, amen. That's a big teaching, but I just said it in 30 seconds, but that's what the word says. And so that person, it's not just a person who prays really hard. It's not just if I pray really hard, God's going to do something, but it's the earnest prayer of a righteous person. It's very, very key because this is a person that has given themselves fully to the Lord. But something begins to happen when that person, I really believe that that's what this church is, and that's the people across this nation, around, even around the world, there have been a, there's been a rising up of earnest prayer from righteous people, and they, it says that there, has a, there is a great power that begins to come out and produces wonderful results. And it says in verse 17 that Elijah was just like we are. He was a human being, just like you and I in this room. And yet, when he prayed earnestly or fervently because he was separated, because he was set apart, because Elijah was not interested in this world, because he was not of this world, because he was about the Father's business, because he was a kingdom man, because he knew his Father, he knew the Lord, he knew the Word, he was faithful to the Word, he was faithful to do what God said. The Bible says that even though he was human, because he was that guy in the Lord, just as we can be and should be and I believe are, uh, when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. In the book of 1 Kings chapter 18, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 42, I want to pick up there, but I want to say this first. This is 3,000 years ago. Elijah was on the earth for that time. Everybody say Elijah was on the earth for that time. And that was his time. Everybody say, and that was his time. When his time was up, he went away. He had a certain amount of time, and then the Lord shows us the picture. When his time's running out, he hands over the baton, the mantle, to Elisha. <laughs> right, Jeannie? And, and he hands it over, and he leaves. Now, Elisha continues. Now, they said to Jesus, you can't be the son of God because Elijah is supposed to come again. And he said he already has, referring to John the Baptist. John the Baptist, I want you to say this out loud. John the Baptist was on the earth for that time. When his time was done, they cut off his head. Why don't you want, you don't want to say that out loud? <laughs> of all the ways to go, honestly... If the things that they went through, I, I'll take that one. Lord, just let that be noted in heaven. If we have to go through what they went through, the first church, that's, that's okay. I mean, only comparing stuff that those guys went through. I think being burned at the stake is a lot worse than a quick chop. Well, I mean, who wants to think about it? Yet they did, right? Yet it happened. Yet it's real. Come on, we should be real. Sometimes, you know, we, we push it aside because we don't want to think about it or talk about it as if it's not happening, like the trafficking issue, right? 
We don't. We just want to be on Facebook just to be on. We just want to see all the pictures of the foliage. But you know, the trafficking ad comes up and we just scroll past. I don't want to see that. Give me some more foliage. Meanwhile, you know, that's a real person being brutalized. So let's be real. But the point is that John the Baptist was on the earth for that time, and when his time was done, his time was done. He served a purpose, and Jesus said he was the greatest prophet who ever lived. Elijah did some pretty amazing things. John does a, a different type of miracles. He doesn't ever pray for it to rain and not rain, and yet Jesus called him the greatest prophet ever lived. And you know what? Elijah wasn't competing with John, and John's not competing with Elijah, and they each just did their part on the earth for the time that they had, and when their time was done, their time was done, but they furthered the kingdom of God. Amen. And there's so much more fullness than just saying, oh, if we... We look at these scriptures and we just see, oh, if we just pray hard. Elijah prayed hard. He's human. I'm human. I can pray. There's a big, much bigger picture going on here and that the word is saying that Elijah did what he was called to do in his life. And I want you to understand that I'm giving you the power and authority to do what you're called to do in this life that you're living as well. That's also in there. You know, when you read the Word of God, there's so much packed into one verse or into an idea, isn't there? But that is in there. We could go to a, a myriad of other verses to prove that. Just quickly, we got the guy, right, who he's demoniac and he's freed, and, and Jesus free, uh, supernaturally frees him, right? We don't know how many demons. Some people say it was 2,000 because 2,000 pigs, whatever. doesn't really matter, but there was more than one because they said we're more than one. There's a whole bunch of demons in the guy. So it's supernatural deliverance. He wants to go with Jesus, which we all would. Hey, let's go to Bible school with Jesus. And Jesus says, no, you stay here. I want you to preach to your towns. And we know that he does. He goes in faithfully. The word tells us he goes in and tells and, and the Bible kind of, it doesn't say directly, but I believe it, and I've taught it before, that it's called the Decapolis, the Ten Regions. It looks like that there was a revival sometime later when Jesus came back, and they had kicked him out the first time, most likely because this guy went around and evangelized, and when people saw who he was and, and what Jesus had done for him. And so my point is that he had a place that wasn't Peter's place. Come on, amen. And yet, is there any less power, any less miracle in his life or in what he was there to do? And so, when I say occupy till he comes, we need to truly understand the power that God's given us, but we need to also truly understand who we are and what he's asked us to do. And... I'm going to say this blanketly. We all have a different position, but I'm going to tell you what I really believe that the word is for this whole church. I think it's the churches of America. I think we all have a, a part to play in this. Yes, there's an individual part of you, but we together are really uh, the body, right? It's not just us, you and me and, and you and you and you, but it's all of us together have made up one part, one cell really of the whole body of Christ. So I believe that he's given this cell a mandate. And that is, and we've already felt it, we've been doing it, is to, is to be a praying 
church. It's such a simple thing. It's so simple that we might be like, well, that's not enough just to be praying, praying fervently. But I truly believe that that is what he's asked this church to do, and we're going to stay faithful to keep doing it. Today's a fasting day, by the way. I don't have to wait till announcements, but I mentioned it last week. We are fasting with Franklin Graham is called a fast for today. So if you had already eaten, you can go ahead and skip your lunch, your dinner, or one or, or both of those. Um, but we are fasting today as a church, joining with them. And so that's what the Lord's put on our heart to be a fasting church, to be a praying church. It's a very simple mandate, and yet it is so powerful because of our faithfulness to it. It's really the faithfulness to it that is really having power. And that's what I want to show you right now. In James, it just says that it was the earnest prayer, and it, and it availed much, you may know it as, or it brought wonderful results, it says in the NLT. But in 1 Kings, it kind of expounds this is the original story on what happened there. So it says in 1 Kings, are we getting anything out of this so far? And I'm, I'm kind of like, I am going somewhere, but I'm also jumping a little bit. Hopefully it's making some sense. But 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 42 says, Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel. All right, so Elijah climbs to the top of Mount Carmel, and he bowed low to the ground, and he prayed with his face between his knees. We're talking, this is a serious prayer, right? When you're, you know, you're praying, we come in and we pray, and there's nothing wrong if we pray like this. But I don't know if you've ever been through a really hard time in your life, but you can't help but get on your knees. Doesn't mean you're not humble standing here, but you've been through a really hard time. Not only are you on your knees, but I don't know if you've been through it. I've been through it where my face is buried in that carpet. Buried. In fact, I'll tell you, when Dawn and I were trying to buy our house a year and a half ago, almost two years ago now, it was so much just demonic stuff like always like you walk with the lord devil just wants to rob and steal kill destroy that's what he says right so he's trying to rob everything he can and just make everything in your life miserable and we just walk in the lord we walk in his joy and his goodness right and we know that yet sometimes it crosses the devil crosses over that border not permanently god wins just like jeremiah god freed him and blessed him and so on but sometimes you kind of feel that war does anybody know what i'm talking about and he doesn't win well, I was at one of those moments where I was just really just didn't know what to do, and they just didn't want to release this house. It just, it was really odd. I, all I can say was it's demonic. The people just didn't want to sell it. It was just very, it was just a lot of weirdness. And so I came to the church just to pick something up. No one was here. And I had left something here, and uh, it was supposed to be our closing date. And I said to Dawn, I'm, you know, whatever. I don't know what else to do, but I'm just going to go pick up such and such that I had left here, came here. When I walked in this room, I just kind of like peeked in here. I don't know why, because you're in the building. But I just felt compelled to pray. And on that day, I didn't just pray. That was my face was in this carpet. I mean, I'm talking lips and nose and eyes and eyebrows. You know, one of those prayers, because I just felt the desperation. Okay, that's the prayer I'm talking about. I get up to pray, and I get a phone call. Hey, we're talking about your closing. No, no, you, maybe you didn't get the phone. I, I know you were unavailable, but you didn't hear. We're not doing it today. No, no, I know. We, we talked to such and such. We're doing it a couple hours from now, just like that. And, and then I'm like, you know, still a little doubting. 
only because it had been, not that I was doubting God, just doubting the system, because I know the, en the enemy's still going to try. And so, like, I mean, even up until the table, until those pens hit that paper, then I was like, okay, Lord, you know, and then I was very, very thankful and grateful and gave the Lord lots of praise. But my point is that type of prayer, that type of prayer, that's what Elijah does right now. And it's not a position. It was a heart. <laughs> I was desperate. It's not, let me pray really hard. It's because I knew that God was the only answer. And I really believe that this church has, has come to those terms this year, and we've been faithful to that. We know there is no other answer for this nation. We are doomed without the Lord. It's not a political answer, and yet the Lord is going to use a political system. We know that the Lord uses it because that's the Bible too, right? We've got Saul, who is pol a political person, if you really think about it. He was the president. And then we've got David, who was also a president. And look at the condition of the nation between the two. All right, so God uses people. Uh, let's not forget that, that it, you know, it's not about a man, but it is using a man. So, but uh, without the Lord's help, we are doomed. No matter who takes that position, if the nation was evil and not behind David, right, then, uh, and we see that later on in the story, in fact, then the nation goes back into turmoil. But we know that we know that we know that we know that God is the only answer. And so because of it, this place within us, this genuine heart of prayer, this genuine humility, you can't really try to humble yourself. You like start creeping towards humility, but really you need the Lord to do it. You know what I mean? Like you start to, you say the right things, you raise your hands the right way, but really to be fully humble, like you need the Lord. You have to really experience from the Lord the heavy weightiness of what's, go like what's really going on in the spiritual world behind it. And then this, a true humility comes. And anyway, so that's who this guy Elijah was, right? We know that. He had that type of relationship with God. He doesn't even die. God's just like, hey, you don't have to die. I'm just going to take you to heaven and chariot of fire. Type of relationship he had with God. So, but this is his heart. And I really believe that this is what that heart, God, God is like a magnet to the right heart. It's just irresistible to God. A heart that truly will trust him and truly believes that he is it and he's the only way and like truly, truly, truly believes it. It's just irresistible to God. God cannot resist that person. So it says in verse 43, and the point that I wanted to get to in here, there's lots of, these are all little points that you're getting hopefully along the way, is this, that it says, Then he said to his servant, Go and look out toward the sea. And the servant went and looked, then returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. I believe that we've actually seen many, 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 many miracles this year. As crazy as that is to say in the world we're in, but I really do believe so. But if I looked at the ultimate climate, if I looked at the grand scale climate, we might see, say, I haven't seen a change. In fact, we've seen it get worse and get darker and get more evil. This is the prayer that I believe he's put as a mandate on this church. 
And it's this type of prayer. He says, it says seven times Elijah told him to go and look. Elijah was not content to hear the report that this is still happening in this city in our nation. This particular death toll, this plague, etc. You could just name all the different things. He was not content, but he also just wasn't just some guy. God had given him an authority and given him a place, and, and Elijah was willing to give himself fully to walk in that place with God. And yet, he still needed to pray seven times. I just said he didn't even die. Elijah walks so close with the Lord, he doesn't even die. And yet, he still needed to pray seven times. Why is that? Hopefully, if I can get to it, I don't know with that clock, I will. So I'll just say it quickly, but if I can get to the scriptures. There is a spiritual war that is going on all the time for this earth. Satan was mad the moment that God took meaningless, pointless dirt and put that in authority over Satan, he was angry. You know, God did it that way on purpose. Don't you think that God could have formed us out of gold and silver? <laughs> God could have formed us out of stardust or whatever. We, in our minds, we think that that's better, but it doesn't mean it is. It's just, you know, our minds say that could have made us out of heavenly materials. He made us out of clay and then breathed his spirit into us. And it was such a humble, low thing. And from dust to dust, you know, we are in our human state very low, but it was the spirit of the Lord inside there that the devil couldn't stand, that this clay contains the spirit of the Lord. And you need to realize that you are actually... And you are a grander picture, because we have the blood of Jesus. I know it's hard for our human minds to get, but we are actually the fullness of God's design with Adam and Eve. Now, we've been restored back. I mean, Jesus is literally called the second Adam, because we've been given that restoration. And so, and, and Elijah really, even though he was pre the blood of Christ, he walked in that type of level he was walking with the Spirit of the Lord. We, the only other, we know that, too, not just by his life, but the only other person that doesn't die, right, if we go all the way back, is Enoch. And the Bible says that he walked with God, and God one day God said, time to go to heaven. He walked with him so closely, he walked in communion like we are supposed to with the Holy Spirit by the purchasing blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? And Elijah walked in that place with God, and we have to realize that Satan cannot resist, but he's going to try to war. There's such hatred, and there is a war going on right now for power and authority in this nation. In fact, I began to just think about some things. Again, this is not political, but you know we're actually allowed. People don't realize this. You are allowed to talk about politics in church, by the way. We've been born and raised that think you're not allowed to because of the Johnson Amendment, right? Which Trump appealed, by the way. 
So we are allowed to talk about people in church. People get weird when you talk about politics in church. But for the first time in a, in a really long time, has a president fended for Israel and fended for Christians and fended for our beliefs? No wonder we are in such a state of chaos. Come on, it's not hard to figure out. It's not a man, and yet what this man represents really was trying to bring the restoration. I mean, making America great again, the world could, you know, the, the farmer might see that as prosperity, but really what God sees it as is the original roots of a nation that, yes, was prosperous, but because they honored the Lord and sought the Lord, and the Lord was their God. And the Bible says, I read my word and I believe it, that God blesses those people. The devil was trying to take over. You can go through history. You do that on your own time, but he's been trying to take over. And we have multiple, multiple revol world revolutions, for that matter, when nations are becoming freer. What does freedom bring? Freedom ultimately then brings this... I was just meditating on this with the Lord. Ultimately, when, yes, during persecution, more people turn, but they're turning because of desperation. But in a good time, in a prosperous time, really, the Lord shows himself the way he wants to be shown, even though, ultimately, like I said, when we get into persecution, then people realize, wow, uh, you know, this is life or death. So people do turn, and, and almost in a better way. But really, God would rather... Remember the Garden of Eden was show them the goodness, show them how good he is. That's why the devil doesn't want prosperity and peace, because then people start to recognize God. They start to recognize his goodness. I mean, it's really simple. How do you feel on a sunny day and how do you feel on a rainy day? I mean, it's just simple, right? And so this time of peace and prosperity, and it has caused people in this nation... It, as, even though the enemy is still doing their agenda and still doing their thing, I mean, they've been doing that since the beginning of time. Satan was, do, was trying to work out a plan right there in the garden. God was really, in these last years, building his church and building his kingdom afresh again. I really believe that. Brand new afresh. And the Lord started saying that that's what he was going to do last year. Devil got word of those words. I wasn't I'm, nobody would know me, so it wasn't just my word. I just heard from the Spirit of the Lord that the Lord wanted to put new wine into new wine skins. That like God's going to do something new and fresh in us. God's working with us. God's doing something. He was using the time. The enemy is going to try to destroy that in any way he possibly can. So the Bible says that seven times Elijah kept praying until he saw the result that God told him to look for. When Elijah went up there and prayed, he didn't go up there and pray with his own authority. He had a word from the Lord. We know that because it's right here in the word. A word from the Lord. It's time to reign again. We know as a word from the heart of God. I have to be careful to, how to say it. God's not done with this nation. I'm just going to say it like that. That's the heart. That's what I know. He can be. He doesn't want to be. He could be. We certainly deserve. And don't get weird about that. We shouldn't be weird. The Bible, Jesus wasn't afraid to tell people 
the dangers of hell and the dangers of their sin. Why are we so weird to be like, oh, this nation deserves judgment? You shouldn't say that. You shouldn't talk like that. Uh, yes, we should, because otherwise they don't know. You need to know that taking an innocent baby at nine months, literally just a couple of breaths away from being born, reaching... Okay, I have to be careful because the room... You know where I'm going. And terminating. I was going to actually describe it because sometimes I think we should be aware of what we're actually doing in this nation. Be reminded. Millions and millions upon millions upon millions upon millions upon millions upon millions upon millions. The Bible says that Cain and Abel, Abel was one man and his blood cried out from the earth to the Lord. And the Lord heard it. What do you think that those millions upon millions upon millions upon millions, because it's inconvenient to me. Do you know how evil it's way more evil than we realize. And God has held back his hand because of his grace and his mercy. But we certainly don't deserve him to do that. That is just one of the evils, of the many evils. But the Lord has given us a word that if we pray for this nation, that if we call upon him, if we seek him, if we humble ourselves, just reminded me of that Second Chronicles seven fourteen again this morning, afresh. Just reminded me of that. And I said, yes, Lord, that's right. You did promise us that. That's New Testament. That scripture, that comes right over with us. That's a promise for all time. He said, finally, the seventh time, verse 44, his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. You know, if that doesn't give you faith this morning, I don't know. I'm done. I don't know what else to do. <laughs> I'm just filled with so much faith when I read those words again. I said, yes, Lord. He just saw the Lord. Just, it just began to start, just began to move. And I, I see it. I can see it in the future. We need to keep praying to see it. I'm, see, I'm not seeing it in the natural. I see it in the spirit of what we're going to see in the natural. But we're on the verge. We're on the edge of that. This is where we're at. And it says, Then Elijah shouted, Hurry to Ahab. He's there with the king at the time. He says, Hurry and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. Now, remember, there's no sign of rain, and they haven't had rain for over three years, right? But this little tiny cloud, Elijah knew, that's it. I know what's coming. I can see it. I know it's going to change. And he said, you better hurry, otherwise you're not going to make it. And the sky was black with clouds, and a heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm, and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. Then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah, and he tucked his cloak into his belt, and he ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. And it rained. And it rained again, and that's it. Do you want to know something? I don't think every... I think the mature Christian knows, but I want to read something. I'm going to close with this. Do you know what verse comes right before 2 Chronicles 7.14 that everybody quotes and prays like I did today? 
Let's look at 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13. It says, At times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls. Or command grasshoppers to devour your crops or send plagues among you. That's a hard word to hear from the Lord, isn't it? That's the word of God. That's the word of the Lord. But I want to fill you with hope today. That at the moment that the Lord said enough, even though that the heavens were shut up by the word of the Lord, God did it. Even though there might be a plague among you. 7.14 says, you humble yourself. You know what Elijah had just got done doing when he went up on that mountain and began to pray? He had just killed all the prophets of Baal, all 400 prophets of Baal, Jezebel's prophets. He had just killed them, and he prayed, and the Lord, remember, he comes down, and the Lord licks up the whole altar and the, and the water and everything. Remember the whole story? At that moment... It was released. It went from 713 to 714. This is where we're at now. This is a word that I know we know. I know we've been talking about it. The Bible is simultaneously the simplest thing of all. It's so simple it's, that a child can understand it. It is such a simple gospel. And yet, it is a simple truth that we should never, ever build upon that we forget its simplicity, that we, we try to ascend to deeper, greater realms of the word and forget the simple gospel of his blood and of his power and of his authority and what he's done and that it's as simple as humbling yourself and seeking him that changes things. Amen. Amen. So we just thank you, God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for today's word. I just want that to just sink in. You just let it sink in and let the Lord do a work inside you. So much more than our human minds can understand, the Lord's doing something in our spirits. That's much, much more about what's happening here than my words. And we just thank you, God, for the, the depth of the seed in our soil, Lord God. I pray it goes down deep and that we sprout, Lord God, life that changes us from the inside out, and that we be filled, Lord, with your word, be filled with life. Lord, filled with that word of life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, and represent you in this time. Stay faithful. I pray, Lord God, help us to stay faithful, because you, Lord, even though we might be in a Second Chronicles 7.13 moment, Second Chronicles 7.14 is our promise. And, Lord, that's exactly the picture. Lord, there was no rain because you decreed it. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that Elijah walked in the power of 714, and then it rained. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that even though the nation was still just as evil, I thank you, Lord, that things are being dealt with, that in the supernatural, that there are enemies that are being humbled below your feet, Thank you, Lord Jesus, in this time by our prayers greater than we even know. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that we will see this rain again. We will see this drought and these grasshoppers that are devouring and this plague. We will see it cease. I thank you, Lord Jesus, in your mighty name. Amen. Amen.